Hey, it's Josh. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to let you all know that the Vermont Public Spring Membership Drive has arrived. Donations from folks like you make everything we do here possible. If you want to help support our people-powered journalism, be sure to make a donation in any amount by March 16th by going to bravelittlestate.org donate. And as always, thank you for your support. Hi, uh, Sue. This is Liam from Vermont Public Radio. Oh, hi, Liam. How are you? I'm good. Meet today's question asker, Sue LaRue from Menden. Uh, How are you doing? I'm good. I can't believe I won. Sue's winning question is something we haven't covered much on Brave Little State. And maybe you don't think about it much. Religion in Vermont. It was just the idea that religion didn't hit you in the face here. I just don't feel like your religious beliefs are very important to people. Like where I used to come from, that was like the second question they'd ask is, what religion are you? Sue grew up in the Midwest in a Lutheran family. Her devotion faded as she got older, but she still considers herself spiritual. Sue sees a spirit of community in Vermont that reminds her of church. But she says it doesn't seem like people here actually go to church. One of the things I understand more about Vermonters is they'll give you the shirt off their back, but they may never really want to have a conversation with you. So that's what I'm here to do, to get Vermont to open up about something pretty personal. My question is, what is the state of religion in Vermont? How do Vermonters characterize their beliefs? It's a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I thought you could handle it. From Vermont Public Radio, this is Brave Little State. I'm Angela Evansy, here with my colleague, Liam Elder Connors. And in this episode, we get existential. There is something greater than us. God is the full manifestation of love. I am a thing created out of matter, the same matter of the landscape that surrounds me. I had an encounter where I felt God's presence. We look at a complicated picture of religious beliefs and philosophical considerations. And we ask, is Vermont really as irreligious as surveys suggest? We have support from the VPR Innovation Fund. Welcome. Thanks to Vita for their support of Brave Little State. Since 1974, Vita has helped Vermont businesses grow and thrive. From agriculture to energy, startups to family companies. Find solutions that fit your business. Visit VEDA.org to start your next chapter today. And Sunset Lake CBD, a farmer-owned business crafting CBD products right here in Vermont. Learn more about their sustainable farming practices, delivery options, and how to support local farmers at sunsetlakecbd.com. Obviously, the current pandemic has put worship services into a state of limbo. But the church, in the end, is its people. You and me, and while the coronavirus has changed many things about how we worship, what has not changed... Religious gatherings, like this one at First Congregational Church in Burlington, are now mostly virtual. But when I talked to Sue, she told me her question about the state of religion in Vermont predated the pandemic. This question has nothing to do with COVID. Okay, so moving on. I chose that clip from First Congregational Church because that's where I went as a kid. 
I haven't gone in years, but given the personal nature of faith, I wanted to begin my reporting by talking to someone I knew. Hey, how you doing? Good, come on in. Adrienne Carr was the associate minister when I was growing up. She retired in 2015. I can't think of what the la- when the last time was. Let's see, you were walking into the office with your mother and all the other little ducklings. Right. <laughs> My three sisters and I were at church pretty much every week. Our mom directed one of the kids' choirs and eventually ran some of the youth programming. It always seemed like we were the first people to arrive and the last ones to leave. First Church, as it's known, was not particularly dogmatic. Discussions about God and the Bible were more about encouraging us to move through the world with purpose, humility, and kindness. Which is why, despite nearly two decades of church attendance, including completing confirmation and being a junior deacon, I don't know that much about the Bible. In fact, midway through high school, I decided I was an atheist. I didn't tell anyone, and I took great pleasure in serving communion to the congregation. In my mind, a silent subversion of a sacred tradition. Now that I'm older, I realize even if my quiet atheistic rebellion had been known, most people wouldn't have cared. First Church is a member of the United Church of Christ, a Protestant denomination known for openness, social justice, and just a more humanistic approach. There is uh, something greater than us, or someone, or some spirit, I guess, that is greater than all of us. This is Adrian Carr again. We're on her back porch in Burlington, talking about God and her experience working as a faith leader in Vermont. Carr says when she and her husband, who's also a minister, first moved to Vermont over two decades ago, the state had a reputation. We were warned that Vermont is probably one of the most secular states. And it is. There have been some studies to back that up. A Pew survey from 2014 found only 34% of adults in the state considered themselves highly religious, making Vermont one of the least religious states in the country. That survey also showed fairly dismal numbers for church attendance. Nearly half said they seldom or never went to church. Less than a quarter went at least once a week. Long-standing religious institutions in Vermont have also struggled to bring in new members. Dwindling congregations have forced some churches to merge and sell off buildings. Catholicism is the religion most Vermonters identify with. It's also struggling. The number of Catholics in the state decreased by nearly 21% in the last 30 years. That's according to Vermont Catholic Magazine. And this summer, the Burlington Diocese closed a parish in Winooski, as well as churches in Williamstown and Marshfield, citing a shortage of priests. You could look at the Pew study, the shrinking congregations, and the selling of churches to real estate developers, and conclude that Vermont is just a place for the godless. But it's more complicated. Even though organized religion doesn't appear to be part of the lives of most Vermonters, that doesn't mean people aren't in touch with a higher power. They might just be cutting out the middleman. That same Pew study shows 41% of Vermonters absolutely believe in God, and an even higher proportion of people, 47%, said that at least once a week they feel a sense of spiritual peace and well-being. In Carr's experience, this complicated picture of the state is not surprising. Well, I'd say that Vermont is not church religious, I would say it's a a sense of community that is part of, to me, what religion is. This leads us to the second part of Sue's question. 
How do Vermonters characterize their beliefs? It's a question that is all the more complicated because if most people don't go to church, what does the practice of faith look like? I couldn't call up every Vermonter, but I did reach out to a handful of people to start to fill in a picture of faith in the Green Mountain State. We're going to wade into some heady theological topics, so get ready. Hello? Hi, uh, Pastor Larry. This is... Yes, Liam. First up, Pastor Larry Wall. How are we doing? I'm all right. How are you? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Wall is the head of a Pentecostal congregation in the Northeast Kingdom, the Newport Church of God. He's been there for 30 years. As far as our uh, congregation and what we're doing here, it's good. We're thriving. We're growing. We're touching the community. Wall came to religion when he was in his 20s. He was married with three daughters, and he was an alcoholic. And the drinking progressed to the place where my wife just couldn't take it anymore and said, I can live with you because I love you, but I refuse to live with that. And she pointed to the bottle. And I told her, if you don't like it, there's the door. Well, she's from England, so I didn't think she'd take the door. But she did, along with their three daughters. My wife left me, kids are gone. I'm behind on the mortgage, behind on my truck payments. Everything is a mess. I said, if you're real, please help me. So I had an encounter where, where I felt God's presence and the courage to go and call for help. Wall joined Alcoholics Anonymous and got sober. His wife and daughters eventually came back, and he says he hasn't had a drink in almost 40 years. Wall says his faith revolves around his relationship with God as mediated through Jesus Christ. So it's a love relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. He's my best friend. He's my hope. He's my healer. He's my everything. A central part of Wall's faith is Jesus's death on the cross, which he says is proof of God's unconditional love of humanity since God was willing to sacrifice his only son. The cross is proof positive that God loves us and that the same love that I have received, I am to give to people and to give it without condition and to give it without expecting anything in return. Caitlin Morgan, on the other hand, does not believe in God, at least not in the biblical sense. I have a really strong sense of a wider mystery and a lot of beliefs that I think probably would line up with beliefs of people who follow religion. Morgan is a PhD student studying food systems at the University of Vermont. She didn't grow up in a religious household. Both her parents were atheists. But she went to church with a neighbor, mostly to socialize. Morgan says, as a kid, she was open to the existence of the Christian God, though that God seemed about as real as the ones in Greek mythology. But even as the notion of a capital G God faded from Morgan's mind, she felt there was something out there. But for better or worse, I've always been maybe overly reflective and inquisitive. And so constructing a sense of myself in relation to the wider world, just I don't actually think I could be fully happy without that. Morgan says she was inspired by a theory she found in her work as a social scientist. The idea is that all of the human experience is mediated through our bodies and senses. As I've delved into that, it's also informed how I think spiritually, which is, I, you know, I am a thing created out of matter, the same matter of the landscape that surrounds me and the same matter of whatever is in the skies. Morgan says being in Vermont is an important part of her spiritual practice. 
She grew up in Peachum, and after living in California for a few years, she came back to her home state. Morgan says she doesn't go to a weekly church service, but she does yoga and spends time in nature. Listening and feeling and smelling and and just trying to like completely immerse myself physically in a way that also sort of transcends that because it's like tapping into everything else that is existing. If I was giving a two-word answer, it would be atheist Jew, because you're allowed to do that, which is amazing. Religion wasn't part of Jessamyn Wess's childhood. Her mom was Jewish and her dad was Christian, but neither practiced. West says it wasn't until college that she thought much about her religious identity. Then I went to college with a bunch of Jewish kids who were like, your mom is Jewish, you're Jewish. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, my grandmother spoke Yiddish. I don't know what I thought was going on, but like, I just I never thought about it. West, a community technologist in Randolph, says she doesn't go to temple or do much in terms of practicing the faith. But she says there is a cultural and community component to being Jewish that's important to her particularly in a place where Judaism is not widespread. And there is this sense of traditional Vermonterism. And, you know, those aren't Jews. Wes says she makes an effort to be with other Jewish families during the holidays, like Passover and Hanukkah. And I barely do Hanukkah. Like, we light a menorah. But having those things together with some people has utility because... You go to Shaw's, the only grocery store in town, and people are like, Merry Christmas. And the Salvation Army person is like, ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, that's not really my thing. Wes says her approach to religion makes perfect sense to her, but it has confused some people in her life. I dated a Presbyterian for a long time, and he had a really hard time getting his head around sort of a cultural approach to religion without a higher power belief. He really felt like... But how do you know what's right and wrong? And I'm like, how do you know what's right and wrong? Like, I just, somebody else told you? That is so weird. The last person I talked to was Saifa Hussein. She's the Muslim chaplain at Middlebury College. Maybe when I was younger, it would have been about the testimony of faith, which is there is no God except the one true God. She says the development of her religious identity has evolved through the years to be a quieter and more contemplative practice. It's just gotten a lot more subtle. Like it can just be goodness or that which is beautiful. Hussein studies Sufism, a form of Islam centered around the inward search for God. She came to that practice as she was trying to understand her relationship to her faith. I think a lot of Muslim Americans go through that journey because you're just like introduced from such a young age of this very cacophonous narrative about your community and, and yourself. Sufism emphasizes one's direct connection with God. Hussein says that was empowering. I think also it really helped me heal this otherization that has happened to me from a young age, being a Pakistani Muslim woman with a hijab. But when I just started defining myself and like really experiencing it, leaning into it, that I am actually part of this expression of, of love at the end of the day, then it resolved that otherization. Hussein says the idea of love in Sufism is the most compelling to her. And here's how I've been trying to wrap my head around it. This love is a force beyond any word we have. It's a power that we can't fully conceptualize. 
It is this ineffable love that is at the bedrock of existence. And that is um, essentially of God, because God is the full manifestation of love. It's a path that transcends even uh, religion itself, and it's just very human. There are certainly differences between systems of belief, and you don't have to look far to find examples of how those have led to discrimination and deeply harmful societal divisions. But there are some commonalities. Namely, they're all ways to make sense of our individual selves in the larger world. This is a messy subject, and the question at the heart of Sue's inquiry can't fully be answered in a 20-minute public radio podcast. But through my reporting, I do think that Hussein's final thought contains at least a partial answer. That our existential questions are a big part of who we are. They're very human. And grappling with those questions is a good thing, And that, too, might be the state of religion. We're all trying to figure out what we're doing here. Which reminds me of something that Adrienne Carr, my old minister, told me. She said, in her view, God didn't preordain people to be a certain way. I didn't make you to be the bad guy and you to be the good guy. I made you to hopefully learn how to all be part of the beauty, not part of the pain. To be part of the beauty, not part of the pain. I think that's a reminder, regardless of faith, that we all could use right now. For Brave Little State, I'm Liam Elder Connors. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And thanks to Sue LaRue for the great question. If you have a question about Vermont, ask it at bravelittlestate.org. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter and vote on the question you want us to tackle next. We're on Instagram and Twitter at BraveStateVT. This episode was produced by Liam Elder Connors with editing from Mark Davis and me. Special thanks to everyone who shared their thoughts on faith with us. Thanks also to Laura Elder Connors for providing pictures of a youthful Liam in church. You can see those at our website, bravelittlestate.org. Our show is a production of Vermont Public Radio. Our digital producer is Elodie Reed, and we have engineering support from John Billingsley. Ty Gibbons composed our theme music, other music by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Angela Evansy. We'll be back soon for an episode about Vermont's Trump voters. We're trying to track down the folks we talked to in 2016, though not everyone is willing to talk to us again. If you voted for Donald Trump four years ago, we'd love to hear how you're thinking about voting this time. So get in touch at hello at bravelittlestate.org. Thank you. And of course, everyone, remember, be brave, ask questions. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.